This is a place. This is a place. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to hear something strange? Listen to us and you will see, this our state on Halloween. This is a place, this is a place, listeners scream in the dead of night. This is a place, everybody make a face, listen to what we cover tonight. In our show, Brandon screams Because Nate, it's Halloween I'm the one who likes to provoke Everybody with my jokes This may come at no surprise When Nate makes jokes, I roll my eyes This is a place, this is a place Halloween, 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 Halloween In this town, we call home Everyone listen to our episode. La 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 Welcome to This Is a Place podcast. My name is Brandon, and as always, I'm with a very adventurous man who has decided to start a business making glass coffins the investors are wanting to know nate is it going to be successful remains to be seen <laughs> that's the best october halloween joke i could think of i did have a few vampire puns why do you use those they suck <laughs> oh man Oof. We haven't done the dad jokes for a minute, so everyone's probably glad to hear they're back. A couple of weeks ago, I think I told you we went to Lagoon, and they had the trick-or-treating for kids under 12, right, for a few spots. Uh-huh. And over in Pioneer Village, they do kind of like a hay maze type thing, and you walk through and you see different characters. It's and the Halloween that- Hootenanny is what it's called. Nate. There you go. Thank you for clarifying. Jeez. But there's a there's a beekeeper in there, right? And he was trying to tell my kids a joke, and they didn't think it was funny. So I told him, I said, I told him that I once bought a dozen bees, and the guy gave me 13. And I tried to return one of the bees, and he said, no, 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 that's a freebie. <laughs> I got the beekeeper to laugh with my dad joke. So I'm going to go back this week and see if he's using my, my dad joke. But I heard that you took your family to Frightmares this past weekend. Is that true? It is true that I took my wife. The little one stayed home. But my wife and I went. Oh, really? Yeah. She's too little for the spookiness. And the rides. And She's still too little for what the What about rides. you, though? <laughs> Very funny, Nate. Very funny. I went to the haunted houses, and I was very brave. And I think this is a good year if you want to ease into the haunted houses because they are less scary because people can't get so close to you, which I think I appreciate a little bit. So the Frightmares haunted houses, they were I. Just okay. Yeah. Didn't you say you bought the, what do they call it? Fast pass or not really They're fast They're called pass. the time warp. Time warp pass. So you get the time warp pass and you get to skip the very, very long lines. So how, on average, how long would you have to wait with that pass to get into the haunted house? The first one we waited probably like 10 minutes. And as the night went on and it got darker and spookier, it was a little bit longer. So, not too bad. So, even with the time pass, time warp pass, you're still waiting 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, but 10, 15 minutes versus like an hour or so. so. Yeah. It's a big difference. 
Yeah. When we went a couple of weeks ago, yeah, the line, I know they're doing the social distancing. So the lines look longer than they probably would look in years past, but still but don't be fooled. There's no social distancing happening. <laughs> <laughs> Not, yeah. I that's, that's just an illusion. There's no social distancing. I have noticed that. Um, when we've been there that people really don't follow those guidelines all too much, even though they have spray painted on the, on the ground where you're supposed to stand. And I think Lagoon even does eight feet instead of six feet. Right. But people still don't follow protocol. We'll see what happens when we go. I think we're planning to go this weekend. So it's a lot of fun. I like Frightmares. We're not doing a Frightmares episode this year, but maybe next year everybody stays good and spooky yeah we'll definitely have to hit up frightmares speaking of haunted houses our episode happens to be on another haunted house but unlike last week this haunted house is still around still happening and we were lucky enough to one talk with the founder of the haunted house and we got to walk through the haunted house so nate why don't we take a listen to our interview from when we went to dead city haunted house in murray and we got to speak with timothy riggs as you said the the founder and hear what he had to say about it okay yeah, and just a quick disclaimer, we did the interview in the parking lot of the haunted house, so if you hear noises in the background, that's what you're hearing. Anyhow, um, you asked a question of the history uh, that I've had in Salt Lake. We're here at the Wagon Master building. I call it that because that's how I knew it when I was younger. Um, it was about 22 years ago, I was working as a magician here. And uh, I was a student in the, at the University of Utah studying electrical engineering. I, I chose that major so I could become an animatronics guy. And so my senior thesis was create the control brain for an animatronics controller, and I wanted to animate skeletons. Hmm. And so, and of course, I also knew I needed money to do that. So I developed a Western cowboy skeleton that you drop quarters into a box and and he would do a little talking spiel and he fit perfectly inside the restaurant. He was just an old cowboy skeleton and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was my way of, you know, working on my thesis project and at the same time getting a little bit of money, which you need. And Mike Henry, who's the owner of the Nightmare on 13th, used to be the Institute of Terror, was bringing his family through for dinner. He saw that talking skeleton and he asked the owner, he said, who made that for you? And he's like, well, it's our magician. He's right over here. He's like, what? Magician. <laughs> and so uh, so he came over and talked to me and he said, hey, um, we are trying to do something new for our event. We want some automation. We want something just like this. Can you do this for our show? I'm like, sure. And so he pulled me out to some of his employee meetings and they said at the time they had a theater that was part of their show that was live, live acting thing. And they said, we, we having problems because when we change sets, we need something to happen while they're changing the sets. And we think something automated would be the perfect thing. And so we ended up making two skeletons that would talk to each other, kind of like a Siskel and Ebert on, on the, or, you know, or whatever the Muppet guys are that sit on the wall and talk back and forth. And so two, I should know this. Sorry. Two, yeah, I should too. <laughs> two skeletons and they'd tell jokes and you know, each one was about a minute long segue as they would change the set on the stage and they had them in a booth up on the side and uh, the, you know, it worked really well. I also built a giant guillotine for them. It was really gruesome because you'd put a real person's head in there. You'd actually see the head fall and it's a magic trick, but it freaked a lot of people out and, and, you know, there's guys here that are working for me that said, I saw that when I was younger and that freaked me out. I have no idea how it's done still today. And I'm like, you really, you remember that 20 years later? I'm like, yeah, it was gruesome. So it leaves an imprint, something like that. Yeah, it was fun. And so anyhow, um, uh, you know, I built the Siskel and Ebert thing and, and they loved it so much that the next year they said, we just want to get rid of the live actors and do this all automated. And so in the meantime, I, I'd looked around at the haunt and I'm like, I could do this. There's not 
a whole lot to these they used some strobe lights and a few sets and you know they were a lot easier back then you know it was it was lower technology and so i came back to the western restaurant and i said hey you don't use your your convention hall during october let me haunt it and we'll we'll do this big event we'll make a ton of money and it'll be awesome and so I took I took a semester off at school and I worked to build the haunt here and I was so proud of it you know it, it, it worked it was it was crazy it was intense it was insane um, it, we pulled it off I spent you know way way late nights way too many times here trying to trying to build that thing and at the end of it it wasn't profitable making money in haunted house land is a lot harder than people think um, so it was like ah oh, you work a whole summer whole semester six months and then you get nothing out of it I'm like crap and so um but i did it i achieved it people liked it it was called the haunted old west i don't know if anybody any of your listeners ever remember that but it was here 20 years ago haunted old west and uh it was you know gave me sunk my teeth into it i i, I tried it for the first time and I, I pulled it off we did it then i got hired as the magician for the utah fun dome of all things and I think I graduated sometime around that time. I was full-time performing magician as with an electrical engineering degree. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and I love entertaining. I love to perform. And so I'm a full-time entertainer. I know I have the show all packed up in store to the Wagon Master. So I pitched the Fun Dome to say, hey, let's do, out in your parking lot, let's do a tent haunted house. You've got lots of people coming. It'll help your revenue. And they, they went for it. They said, but instead of in the parking lot, we want to shut down our roller skating rink and we want you to do it in there. I'm like, on top of the fancy floor? <laughs> You're like, yeah, we got to do it in there. I'm like, that's better. Okay, we'll go with that. And so we had a couple weeks to set the thing up. Uh, we sold the event from, from the Wagon Master to them. And then I set it up and ran it. Um, it was a lot of fun. They had big budgets. You know, they, they said, I went out and said, okay, here's the things that I'd like to have. Here's some things that would be really cool. And those, these things would be absolutely amazing to have. And the guy that owned the place said, buy it all. And I went, what? You're, you're what? He said, yeah, just buy all of it. And it was like $22,000 worth of props, which wow. 20 years ago, that was probably like $50,000 today. Yeah. And I'm like, what you, you want me to buy it all? He's like, yes cool a blank check and so we had we have lots of fancy monsters and interestingly we actually have i still have some of them the frankenstein that's inside was in there the pumpkin head guy the both of those props we purchased for the fundum 20 years ago wow. and as luck would have it i inherited all of that stuff so so yeah we have pieces of the fundum that are here um we love that yeah it's kind of fun <laughs> i have actually a piece of the old haunted old mill here um, oh yeah, the I the, that one. the core of my Tesla coil was in the haunted old mill, and it all of that stuff got sold to the to Mike at the Nightmare on Thirteenth, and then I traded that core piece for you know my Fun Dome haunted house, and so I still have it; it still works. But yeah, it's a piece of nostalgia from the haunted old mill we have here uh, in the haunt, as well as some things from the Rocky Point haunted house, a couple little things, and you know I I don't know so. We did the, the Fun Dome Haunted House for two years, and we expanded the show. We probably had 30,000 people that went through it the second you know second year. It was a huge thing. Lots of kids went through it, um, and uh, it, was a, it was a lot of work, a ton of fun. And we kind of grew the Haunted House audience because a lot of kids were like, hey, Fun Dome, how scary can it be? And so, you know, 30,000 of them went through, and from that... You know, I still have people remember it. Um, my media guy, Josh, he, he was like, I went through that haunted house. It was the awesomest thing. And Jimmy from the Nightmare on 13th, who designs all their stuff now, he went through that haunted house and like, this is the awesomest things ever. I got to do this. And, you know, years later, I met him. He's like, you did the Fun Home, Fun Dome Haunted House? That was what propelled me to do what I do today. So, you know, I've Your had this. Inspiration. Yeah, I've had this weird impact on crazy people that, you know, love, love the genre. In a, in a weird way so the fun dome operated for two years and then the fun dome kind of wound down they ended up closing and so i was without a home for a while mm -hmm. and uh that was kind of sad but you know i i got i was forced to get a real job 
during that time because I lost my magic show thing full time. So I was forced to fall back on that degree paper engineer thing that I had, which was actually probably a good thing. It's been stable. And for the past 20 years, I've been an engineer for a defense contractor and we make military things that keep the country safe. And on the weekends, I still do magic shows. Um, I, 20 years, I've done 5,000 magic shows. So, and I've been an engineer and I've dabbled in the haunt things and I've done other stuff over the years. Um, we did tent haunted houses at Hollywood Connections. I was part of the Castle of Chaos group for uh, probably five years. I helped them really expand. We financed, you know, the engineering money helped finance those shows. And then I did my own little show at the state fair for two or three years. I, I went to that. You went to that. Yeah. So, yeah. You remember. That was where I was introduced to Dead City that I think it was probably 2018 okay. when you guys were there and talking about how this was going to start. Like, I think it was opening pretty soon after that. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah. So a lot of ways you've been able to reach people and kind of get your name out as you've been building this up. Yeah, well, people don't realize how hard it is to do an entertainment complex. And so the fair was a way for me to personally be completely in charge of a show because you have to do your taxes, you have to run your employees, you have to do your liability insurance, and you have to, we, we did it like a fire alarm system for that thing and had to get architectural blueprints for it. And it was the perfect small event to make sure, do I really want to do a larger event? there's the business beside behind the fun and i'm like it slowly let me go in i think the first first year i lost six thousand dollars on it. i'm like crap that's not what i expected i thought i'd make a bunch of money and all right we got to do it again and the second year we broke even i think and and uh but it paid for a whole bunch of props a bunch of automated things and the third year we made money on it I'm like that's really cool you know we did really well and so i used that money to help fund this place and i think the fourth year was the one you went to that where we had two of them opened up mm-hmm. and uh it was marketing for this big thing what a nightmare to try to run a fair haunted house and a giant haunted house it was it was a challenge but we did it and so we kind of built up you know it helped me pay for props and sculptors to make monsters and you know we moved all of that that material into this larger location when we did it here and what a what a bunch of work this is i mean when you go to these entertainment places, you do not realize how much effort is behind the scenes that the business side of things, you have to deal with city planning commissions and city councils and the building department and architects and engineers. And this particular location was vacant for a decade. So it's a beautiful building for a haunted house, but probably little else. (laughs) And uh, people had gotten inside of it. They broke into it. All of the plumbing was stolen. All the copper pipes were gone. They had stolen a bunch of electrical wiring for the copper. There were holes broken in roofs and in walls. There was graffiti all over. Every fire extinguisher in the whole place got emptied with kids just having fun, making fire extinguisher mess. Um, There were pigeons that had gotten inside the place. And it was just, just a royal mess. And you know, you come in here and you see the potential um, but wow, what a bunch of work. So we started with the city, the planning commission. They actually denied my first request because our building is right across the street from the cemetery. And they were really upset that, you know, people would go to bury their loved ones and they'd look across the street and here is dead city. I'm like, guys, this is just Perfect. entertainment. It's entertainment. No one's going to care. But they denied me. And I had yeah. to go appeal that decision and fight the city basically and say, you know, if I was... If I was some, you know, religious group that was anti-Christian or anti-something else, you couldn't deny me because I was next to a cemetery on religious grounds. I feel like you're on religious grounds denying me to do an entertainment business based on what you think, you know, I don't know what it was. It just didn't seem right, but it cost me two and a half months of a delay my first year. And that made me miss the opening for the first year because I couldn't get everything done on time. So... Yeah, I mean, just problems like that. Who would think that you'd have to go fight City Hall in order to do a fun haunted house? But you do. And you always, I mean, as as I talk to more haunters out there, you always have to deal with that kind of crap. So Mm -hmm. you always do. But then once the city agreed to it and they realized, hey, he's serious about this, they've been really great since that point. And they've worked with me and, you know, very professional and we, we submitted all of our architecture plans, all the fire engineering plans, all the blueprints, and you know, you, you go the rounds, you get them approved, and, and you know, they've been good to me since that time, so. 
Good. I've rambled for a long time. That's that's the long the long story short. No, that's great. Questions. You covered a lot of them already. Um, I was gonna say, I mean, it, we're in the thick of it right now in Halloween season. Yep. But you do other things. I saw you guys won an award actually for having the best. How do they call it, off season show for uh-huh. your Christmas um, with your Krampus that you did? Yeah. And so, how has it been, like, navigating through this, but also doing those other things? How's the turnout been for that? You know, we we tried the Krampus as an experiment. Um, it looked really fun. I did, it was a Friday the 13th in December, and, mm-hmm. and often we'll open for Friday the 13th because it's a scary night and kids are willing to come out. And so we thought, hey, what if we did the Krampus thing, tried it for the Friday the thir- 13th weekend? It was a big experiment for me. I threw some money at it, and everyone was really excited to do it. Putting lights up is really fun, and combining Christmas and Halloween was really fun. And we got a good turnout. More people came than I thought would, and uh, and it ended up being really positive. And walking through the show, it really was amazing looking. You know, a cross between all the fun Christmas light uh, happiness mixed with all the scary monsters. It was so bizarre <laughs> of of material, and yet it was really, really fun. Almost even more fun than just pure Halloween, mm-hmm. because you can play creepy snowmen and evil elves in the mix and you know Krampus the monster intermixed with jack-o'-lanterns and and it was I love the subject material it was really really fun and very pretty and um, and so we ended up taking a lot of pictures of our event and submitting those to the national haunted convention system and they were really impressed by all the stuff that we did and they they recognized it at the point where said hey there's something to this particular group and and they loved the write-up that we did we did a a special video for it as that's you know unique in utah our little video room in the front that sets the story no one else is doing that and so we submitted the video and they just loved that and so we we won a national award for the off-season business trying new things to say hey this was something spectacular that we haven't really seen everyone I mean, there's been other Krampus shows, but we really pulled a lot of elements together that no one has done before, and and it worked great. And so then we said, well, why not try Valentine's? Yeah, last hurrah before COVID derailed everything, Yeah, it right? really was, yes. Yeah. So so we're like, well, what's another holo- hol- holiday? And some other haunts have tried that. And we're like, let's give it a go. And we wrote a story behind it, and we had a little thing where you had blood vials that you got at the beginning, and you were trying to not get get them stolen by the vampire actors that, that were in the event, and if you made it all the way to the end, you could deposit the blood vial in a special place, and you know certain fun things would happen. <coughs> Excuse me. And so it was a new format, something different, and people loved it. The, you know, it was less well attended because no one's done a Valentine's Haunted House in Utah before, but the folks that came through was like, that was so much fun. And so, you know, we would love to do it again. I really have to take a look at how COVID and the other, the economy and things affect the haunt this year to say, do we think we can make a profit at it this next year? And it'll be a big question. And so anyone who comes out and supports our haunts for anything, we really appreciate it because that lets us have money to then continue to develop new fun things for them. So, so yeah, that's that. I hope that answers the question yeah, on no, the season thing. So it's not traditional. It's really different, but you know, haunted houses can be fun any time of the year, really. So I what, agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of your favorite things this year about your, your haunt? What are some favorite elements? If you have a favorite room or a favorite theme that you have running? So I, I'm an engineer and I love automation. I love animatronics. And we had been doing a push towards more actor experiences this season. We bought a bunch of foam latex full head masks to, to glue on people. And we were really trying to develop some characters um, after last season. And then the COVID happened and I realized we're gonna have to be careful about our actors because I don't even know if we can have actors and still do a haunted house. So I thought, let's take a step back on that and do that next year. This year is all about how do we put on an entertaining show and do it safely. And so I realized, I think this year is going to be how many automated things can I get in the event first as my first plan. And then if I can have a handful of actors in there, that'll be my second plan. And then if I can have a full staff of actors, that'll be my third plan. But I don't think life is going to be the same as it was. So 
we started by saying, how do we automate as much as we can in the case that we can't have an actor inside the event? And so we have 60 rooms inside our haunt, which is a lot of rooms. We have 150 automated effects. So if you do the math on that, that means for every single room we have, we have two and a half automated effects per each one of those areas. Love it. And so, so I, in every room I have a place for an actor and I also have places for automation in everything. And so, because I didn't know what to expect. And, and I love how, you know, automation in general is good. You know, if you think of robotics, it's good if it's dangerous. It's good if it's repetitive in nature or if it could be harmful for one of, you know, actors or if it gets really dull and boring. Mm -hmm. Automation doesn't care. It just keeps going on and on and on. And so I'll put automation in little cubbies and things where I can't fit an actor. But if something comes flying at you and lights are strobing and some loud sound, you can't tell quickly if it's a real person or if it's not. Your body has to react to it. And so we've, we've put all kinds of weird stuff in this place. So you get, you get automated scares and luckily we can have the actors inside too. And so we've really tried to blend them together. But I had to go through and I counted everything this year. I'm like, how much stuff do I have in here? And it yeah. was great. 150 different automated things. And most of those I've built over the past you know, four years or five years or something. Wow, that's quite the accomplishment. So we have some massive animated pieces inside that are just really amazing, pretty things. We have little simple things that like maybe they spit water at you or puff air or just bang or something, everything in between. So I think overall, I'm really happy with the automated stuff that we've been able to squeeze into this effect. And if you think about it, you know, other haunts, they have a certain number of actors and I count them every time I go through, but I've got twice as many automated things that, as anyone else even has actors. Wow. So then you add the actors on top of it, but you know, I don't think people recognize that because they're so used to going through a haunt and everything, it has to be an actor behind stuff. And some people go through and like, hey, there were long stretches where we didn't see an actor, but they never mentioned, but this popped out at us and that popped out at us and the ceiling dropped and stuff water shooted at us. So they still are in that mentality of, you have to have a person to make something happen because that's what everybody else has to have. Nothing moves unless you have an actor behind it. So, so that's probably the number one thing. We have on the front of the building a giant creature uh we call it he's the slayer it's actually a prop that we purchased from the industry out there and i just love him he's been one of my favorite for a long time but we have a special yeah we have a military theme this year so i made the costume for him he's got a shoulder pads and armbands and some rocket launchers on the top of him so that was our our fun take on this creature and so i'm proud of him Uh, and we made probably five new giant characters inside this year and uh you know they're just really cool they're not particularly scary they're just really cool eye candy so you know you come through and there's the wow factor we really try to try to up it and you know people should feel like they're in fantasy land when they go through besides being terrified so yeah one of the things i am really sad about with the actors is is i can't touch people this year last year we we did we were using the touch you you grab your ankles and grab Mm -hmm. you and oh it's so much fun yeah the glow sticks right yeah the glow the glow necklace is how they tell you if you're if you, if you want to be touched, and a glow stick is how they tell you if you don't want to be scared. So we tried to be able to make it any. We've got the Death Be Gone glow stick, which tells the actors to stay away. And last year we had the, uh, uh, what do we call it? The Touch of Death. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I love it. It's so much fun. But this year with COVID, you just couldn't do it. And so we're like, let's pull that, but I miss it. I, it, it it's hopefully next year we get to do that because it's so much fun. So, but that's one thing we just had to ax it. I mean, you got to keep people safe. We got to keep the actors safe and the patrons safe. And we just can't, can't do that this year. So, so for those who come to, to visit you this year, hopefully you get a lot of turnout people. What can people expect in you keeping people protected and feeling safe coming into the right. house still? So we've done lots of stuff. Um, as you look at the building right now, you see a long fence around the outside of the building. It's a big courtyard. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was actually made specifically for COVID this year. Um, And we lengthened our line so that we could keep the same number of people in a line, but keep them distanced. And it's really cool looking. We've got a life-size tank out here. We have a bunch of barrels and pallets. We've got actors out here. So... If you are here in a line, you're not going to notice it. It's going to be a lot of fun for you. Um, so we, we, the whole outside area was in response to, to keeping people safe. We moved our ticket booth outside this year 
because that's that's safer for them. Mm-hmm. We moved our actor space outside. Uh, we moved a giant container. If you came in, you see it's painted camo on the other side of the building. That's where our actors change. We set up another little booth outside under a tent to to gather if we needed to. We're trying to be outside as much as we can, keep the actors separate because we want to keep them healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, inside, we have the hand sanitizing station. We have a fogging spray that we do uh, at least once a week to clean out the entire haunt. Um, I purchased UVC lights. Um, not, a lot of, not a lot of people know about them, but they are a special high energy form of ultraviolet light that the medical industry has used for a long time to purify hospital rooms or purify water. We purchased a bunch of those and put them inside tubes and circulate the, the air through them. Um, if you're going through the haunt, you see kind of a low blue light up above that's inside the middle of a tube. That's actually us trying to kill any virus that could be in the air through this high energy light. And so so we bought a bunch of those because, you know, it, this stuff could be in the air. So we're trying to protect that. Every actor has a mask. Every patron who goes through has to wear a mask. Um, and uh, also Jacob's ladders and Tesla coils uh, kill COVID. You oh. know, they naturally ionize the air. And that's a bonus that we get by some really cool Frankenstein props. But, you know, they're like little air circulators that, you know, little ions get on everything and they just break those viruses apart. So they're naturally air ionizers, which is kind of fun. That works out well. Yes, it does. <laughs> how, how much time do you have to spend each week on the animatronics, keeping them up and running? Is there a lot of uh, maintenance on those? There, there is. Um, you know, I, I go through, we have, go through the show every night and try to make sure nothing broke down. And we definitely fixed stuff already with the 150 different things you know there there's always upkeep on it yeah it always is but i'm also always making new stuff um so you know we added a honking horn today that wasn't there before and moved some animation around uh there was a giant guy that fell from the top of the wall that only got halfway installed and today i finished him and so that's new in the haunt um we just keep adding new props i love to build And so I'll think about some area that I think, hey, this could be done better. And I will, you know, I'm like, let's put this in. And it's kind of like a a fun thing with my staff because I have my casting director is a girl and the costume director is a girl and they go through the haunt and I don't tell them what I put in (laughs) because it's like, you know, you're going to go through the haunt and you're going to find some new stuff. And they always come back like, I found your new stuff. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, do tell, We're here to tell scare, me about not it. To be scared. <laughs> the other the other day, it was a giant. It was a truck horn with two two car lights in the middle of a really dark room that never had that before. So they just walk through, and all of a sudden, they get blasted by Rem- this horrendous sound of a, a lagoon trick. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's classic. It's a good good yeah, stuff. A good but one. I don't tell them I install that kind of crap. You just go through and let them find it. And so it's been really fun. I don't tell my security guys that. I don't not even the general manager. They know I'm off in the show building someplace, and often they'll ask me, what'd you put in the show? I'm like, I'm not telling. <laughs> so how do you come up with the ideas? Is it just come to you, or do you... You know, I, I've studied the industry for t- two decades. Um, I, I've, you know, looked at the big industry players that are out there. I've picked apart the, the different characters. I, I'm, I'm an engineer, so I think, you know, I did all the physics classes and all the engineering thermodynamics classes and uh, you know all of the torques and uh i don't know pressures and how how you develop things i understand because i spent that time doing it so i can usually look at something in in the industry and go okay if i were to repeat it i would do it this way um and there's a lot of stuff that's really simple you know you take a picture of something you're like oh okay this is how they made it and you know an air, air blast you learn how to I learned how to make it out of sprinkler parts and a and a big air tank from Harbor Freight. You know, it would cost you 250 bucks if you bought one, and I can make it for 50 bucks. Oh wow! So you know, let's just make that kind of stuff. And so, I, I'll make linkages. I think through. Hey, I want a monster, and I want it to shoot up to the height of eight feet, and I want it to take this arc, and I can. Do, the, it's called a four-bar linkage system if you're an engineer, yeah. and in a haunted group, it's just it's a corpse pulp. <laughs> A corpse Yeah, and I'm like, no, it's a four-bar linkage, and you develop the linkages just right so you can make your monster travel the right arc that you want it to. And so, you know, I just reverse engineer stuff. I'm like, I gotta, I know how to make that. And uh, 
And so that's, you know, I'll look at things in the industry and, and I just have this wealth of stuff that I've viewed, not only from that, but I've gone to haunted houses for years and years and got a lot of wealth of, you know, hey, I saw this at one time or I saw this at another time. And so you're like, how do you, what would be scary? And then I kind of say, how do I do it? And then we do it. So it's a type of, I feel it's really safe. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we really have done a bunch of safety stuff in our event. And if you feel safe going to the grocery store, you should feel safe coming through a haunted house. You know, wear your mask, keep social distance from the other groups, but but come and do something fun and enjoy this great time of year, the holiday, but do it safely. Do you dress up? Sometimes. Usually, I mean, I, I like to have my options open. So if I need to go talk to a customer or something, I mm-hmm. look fine. But there's places in the haunt that I can stand behind the walls and I know just how to pop out and scare people without being seen myself. Yeah. Sometimes I put a mask on and I've been out in the front dressed up and on a lot of some of the videos I'm actually characters in the videos. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll do it but I'm really the machines guy. I love to build the machines much more than I really like to do the acting. Although picking people up from time to time and carrying them over your shoulders can be really fun <laughs> last year because I'm a big guy and you know, it is fun to pick up other big guys because they don't expect to be the ones being picked up. So yeah. that's that's something I've done. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. You're just walking along, Nate, someone yeah. picks you up. I want someone to pick me up. Yeah, yeah. usually, I mean, like, who's the biggest one in the group? And I'm going to go for that guy. <laughs> you know, you come flying out, you grab their neck because they, like, freak out. You spin them around and then you, you know, do the fireman carry underneath their gut. You whip them away and all their friends are like, cool. The biggest guy just got pulled away. He was supposed to protect us. What in the world? There goes our protection. And, and the funniest thing is you get him to the next room and you make him get down on the ground and crawl or you put him on the floor. And so by the time their group comes around, here's the big guy and he's being eaten by zombies on the floor in the next room. They're like, oh, look at this, so funny. But in the background, they realize any of us could be targets at any time. So... Yeah, I've done that. I love that. That's, All right, well, I'm coming back next year. <laughs> we miss it. We miss it. So, Adrenaline is a really fun thing. And yeah, one thing I've learned yeah. about haunted houses is this is a simulated fear. There's nothing real inside here, mm-hmm. but your body doesn't know that. Right. And so your adrenaline is going to come. It's going to rush through you. Time is going to go faster. Um, you know, your blood is going to be pumping. And what's funny is by the time you get to the end, those chemicals will stay in your body for a good 30 to 30 minutes to 60 minutes of time and it's like you get the release mm-hmm. and what's nice about the haunt is that you can practice doing scary hard things and if you ever come across the same types of situations in your life you may respond better to them because you've been through simulated fear it yeah, helps people right. learn to handle fear better you know, they get used to it. Like a airplane pilot who might be scared to do barrel loops and other things after they practice, then it just becomes normal. And so, so that is one of the benefits to this is that it'll actually improve your job because you know, you, you, you have done something fun and it creates amazing memories. Like I, I come across people that remember things from 20 years ago that they saw in a haunted house. Some of them positive, lots of them negative, yeah. <laughs> but they I remember, remember from haunted houses I've been yeah, through for sure. Yeah. They remember it 20 years from now, you created a memory that stands out. Whereas the rest of your life won't stand out in yeah. a lot of cases. So haunted houses have the ability to do that. That that's really cool. You pay for those great memories because you're going to get some great memories in here and you got the adrenaline rush. It'll feel good. Um, and it may just help you respond to scary things better in the future because you've learned how to handle them in a safe simulated way. So, yeah. So there you go. It's your practice for tonight. All you're right. going to be better right. on the way out. You're like, <laughs> I did something cool. I faced my fears and I survived and that's a good thing. So yeah, there you go. Look at the positive side. That's right. And it really is. I mean, you don't analyze it like I do, but you really, it's true. This does help you accomplish hard things. Like doing hard things helps you do more hard things in the future. And so. Like a muscle, right? Yes. You got to tear it down to build it back up. Absolutely. I saw you did at the end of the season last year, like just a walkthrough of all your stuff. And I was like, oh, I want to go check that out because I know there's nobody popping out. I can still see all the cool stuff that they've been able to do. Yeah. Well, we, for squeamish people, we do have um, an animatronics only two nights this year oh, really? early. Yeah, from four to four o'clock to six o'clock. One on Halloween and one the Saturday before it. So if you got someone, some kids or something that you just that the actors are too much, then come on our animatronics only time. 
Sweet. And uh, I don't know if, you know, we have a few that, that come and enjoy it, but I really did that specifically for the kids. Like that Fun Dome haunt, I, I'm trying to grow the audience for the future, and if they can come through in a less scary time and still see the the cool stuff, then, you know, that's good for them too. So we do have that option coming up the end of the season. But that's good to Guarantee know. I'll be back for that too then, because that's, <laughs> yeah. I like to see the details. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah, so... Okay, well, we'll let you we'll let you go. You need to get things opened up and ready to go. So yeah, my staff's taking care of it pretty much. But yeah, thanks so much for coming out. No, thank no, you. Thank this you. has been wonderful. Thank yeah. you for taking the time to talk with us. Yep. We want to give another thanks to Timothy and Josh from Dead City, who helped us check it out. Yeah, it was kind of cool to to hear from Timothy just all the work that's involved in putting on a show like this and uh yeah another shout out to josh for for hooking us up to to talk with timothy and he was very accommodating for us so thanks josh thanks timothy so we figure everyone will want to hear our experience of going through the haunted house, especially mine, especially about how brave I am. Yeah. Um, my reader's digest version is that I thought it was very well. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very well designed, very well, um, put together. <laughs> it was a good show. It was a really good show. Um, one of my complaints from back in high school when uh, I went to haunted houses every year in high school, tried to hit all that I could. It was kind of a bummer when you would sit in line for forever, but yet walking through the haunted house would only take you like five minutes. This haunted house took, took some time to walk through. So it's a big place. Yeah. Yeah. You don't realize how big the place is until you're inside of it. And it, it took a good, a good minute to get through it. Um, Part of why it took so long too is Timothy. I was talking with him a little bit before we went into the actual uh, first parts of the haunted house. There's kind of a entrance section where there's a troll and some other mannequin things in, in there. And he suggested that when we go into that big room, there's uh, about a 15-minute show you can watch. And it cycles through all these different effects. And I won't spoil any of the stuff that happens in there, but my suggestion is to take your time, if you can, and just wait around and watch until you've seen everything, right? Right. So you had, just so you know, because we were a little confused on which room it was when we walked through, there's a room that kind of has a video explanation of what you're going to, what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a second room. So it's really the third room, which is a big, big room, um, which is kind of more of the second waiting line to get into the, the haunted house. Yeah. But we spent a good 15, 20 minutes in there just watching um i guess the show which was uh amazing for <laughs> yeah for for a haunted house so it has a lot of uh disneyland feel to me for the with the animatronics and all that stuff he had going on in there so really cool there's work a lot of good work put throughout the whole experience from the queue line to the end but that room really sold it for me on just how much even more potential they have and what they can do with this because there's some amazing stuff. I mean, this, like you say, it's Disneyland quality, but just here in our own backyard, someone that is able to create this kind of stuff. So take the time and give it a check it out. Everything went downhill after that, though, once we actually got into the scary stuff. Yes. And I say go downhill in the fact that I was very scared 
grown man that I made Nate walk through in front of me the whole time. Yeah, I've I learned that what Brandon says is true. <laughs> he definitely does not do well with haunted houses. So, but but you said I did better than you expected, right? Right, right, right. You didn't um, you didn't run, which was good. I expected you maybe to start running. Um, you didn't cry. I, I couldn't run good. because you were in front of me. But, so if I would have run, I would have been all alone. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, you cry. did make me go in front of you. So, but um, I didn't grab onto you. Every every jump scare for the first twenty minutes of the haunted house was as if it were the very first one for Brandon. <laughs> you never got used to people jumping out and scaring him. So even if it was the same person uh, and I knew they were going to scare me, it didn't matter. Well, that's what's so cool about this haunted house is like all the the decorations and um, the animatronics and stuff like that. You just don't know what's gonna scare you it's you just without spoiling it i guess you could say but you just you never know what's gonna jump out at you or what's gonna spray you with water <laughs> or with um, air and you don't know if it's a human or if it's a mannequin or if it's a robot you just don't you just never know so it really it really kept you guessing the whole haunted house on what item's going to scare you and what, what's not. So um, very cool. You'll know that people aren't going to touch you, but those animatronics, I'm pretty sure a couple animatronics touched me or got close to it. <laughs> or were the animatronics? We don't know. Oh, well, you bring up another so... point. What's because that? the building is actually haunted which we didn't get into when talking with Timothy. That's right. They did mention, or Josh mentioned, the, the night before we went, there was a investigation. What do you call it? Paranormal, Paranormal investigation, investigation um, done there. So, so maybe you thought it was a robot, but it was a ghost that was touching you. Maybe. Ooh. But I did think, too, um, that you could almost walk through the haunted house or this haunted house in particular and not have the, the real actors inside. Scare actors, the, yeah. The scare actors or the human effect. But I think just the animatronics alone was enough to, to make it worth the price of admission. So when you do add on the, the actors, it just even adds to the, the whole experience, but it's good enough to stand alone, in my opinion, with just the animatronics. Yeah, you could have gone through the whole thing without scare actors and still be completely terrified. Right. Yeah, I sometimes felt like, because I know when they, the human actors were following us, that I knew they were going to go scare us. But then what was ahead of us with the animatronics, I didn't know which item was going to jump out at us. So I was actually more paranoid of the of the um display stuff than i was of the the human actors following us because i i knew they were trying to do what they were doing right and some of them were pretty simple scares like pretty simple animatronics too it's just like it pops out at you one thing that he told me was i mean you went in front of me and you normally would think that keeps you safe right the first person in front always gets all the scares but he figured out a way to make it so it'll miss one person it'll miss the second person and it will end up scaring the third person it has sensors so that he can know when to scare other people and it's not just the person in front that's getting all the scares yeah that's true like you just you just never know <laughs> you just don't know when and where something's gonna scare you which was fun. Um, funny side story or tangent. My wife and I went to Big Lots the other day. And they have their Halloween decorations obviously out. And there was one on a shelf. And I can't remember what it was. If it was like a cat or something like that. But it had a push me button. And you push it and it jumps out at you. <laughs> 
scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so, um, hey, you're a lot braver than me, though. So, well, I thought we like usually when you push those buttons inside the store, it like starts playing music or dancing or something. But this one like jumped like right out at me, and my wife thought it was hilarious. That you know, I'm I'm scared to go to the spirit know. store because you don't know what's gonna jump out at you there. Oh, I, yeah. I love the spirit store. Yeah, Dead City. Really great haunted house. Great location in Murray. It's a good price. They've always got some kind of deal going on that you can take advantage of. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, follow them. Yeah, follow them on social media and they'll give you uh, discount codes, right? To use yeah. for your tickets. Another uh, pro tip is if you Sorry. buy your tickets online, it's going to be cheaper than in person. They do that to kind of encourage the contactless purchasing. So Yeah. Yeah, smart idea. And one of the coolest f- things about that city is that it's literally across the street from the Murray Cemetery. So Which he says about- the second oldest cemetery in Utah. So there's some really old spooky ghosts there that probably gone over to Dead City to make the residence instead. Ooh, I so wonder maybe, it's haunted. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, could you even pick a more ideal location if you tried to have your haunted house attraction be across the street from the cemetery? Definitely go check it out. Make someone go in front of you like I did, and you won't be quite as spooked, but <laughs> you'll still be pretty scared. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was, I was surprised on how quality, high, high, qual- high quality the, the haunted house was. And for number one, being a newer haunted house for the valley. Um, but still, it was great. Yeah, let's support them so they can stick around and do more cool things for years to come. Absolutely. And I'll be going back. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to This Is A Place. See you next week. In this town we call home. Hope you enjoy this episode. La, 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 Thanks for listening.